Hey, this is Celia on WNXP, and I got to talk to one of my favorite guitarists, also a super swell guy, Ty Siegel, recently, in advance of the new record coming out this week called Three Bells. It's our record of the week, and I have our full interview here as captured via Zoom before he even started rehearsal for his upcoming tour in support of Three Bells. Now, this is a record he worked on with some of his bandmates in the Freedom Band that he tours with, and also his wife, Danae. But largely, this is the work of Ty Siegel, from his brain into instruments, into the mixing process. I love talking to him, and I hope you appreciate this interview also. Take a listen to Three Bells in its entirety, and then take note that Ty Siegel will be here in Nashville at the Brooklyn Bowl, April 24th. Hey, uh, hello. Can you hear me? Yeah. Ty, how you doing? Good. How are you? I'm fine. My name is Celia. I'm based here in Nashville at our NPR <laughs> music station. Hi, Celia. Nice to nice to meet you. It's good to meet you, too. Thanks for taking time before record release. Are you at home right now before your tour starts? Yeah, I actually got like a month and a half before I play for the record. So just kind of about to rehearse, actually, starting tomorrow, the new record. So... Well, then yeah. I'm getting you like semi-rested, not knowing what your holidays entailed, but hopefully feeling good. I got COVID for the oh, holidays. Shit. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, but yeah, I'm feeling good now. I guess better then than, you know, mid-tour, right? Um, I mean, you have you have such a huge catalog of work. Like what I don't have interest in is pretending like I'm a music journalist and I'm trying to like connect the dots for all your records. But I guess I could start with here at your 15th. Is there an evolution that you feel within you as a creator or you just pumping out the jams constantly seeing where it goes. Can you trace your creative evolution up until three bells? You know, that's a hard one for me to kind of have a, a solid opinion of because my intention, it was one thing and how it comes together or how an, someone listening to it would feel about it is different, I think. So, you know, for me, I just hope that everything I do maybe is moving forward in some direction from where I've been before. And if that's somehow the case, then I feel good, good about it, you know? And that doesn't mean you can't like take old sounds or old feelings that you've done before and like revisit things or whatever. But um, I don't know. I've, I do feel like Three Bells is kind of me pushing, trying to push the kind of tunes that I make as far as I can. Maybe that comes across, maybe not, but that was definitely the intention, you know, so. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I hear that as a, a fan of music, like just there's movements within songs where people making pop records could just slice and dice a given song and it could be, you know, a couple different songs and you the way you stitch them together is notable, I think. Uh, do you remember the composition of the creation of Room and how it all folded together? Or if there's another one on the record, you can be more technical about. I think about you probably tinkering around just about all the time. And it's interesting to know what sticks and how you maybe uh, piece them together for the final songs on the record. Yeah, that one's interesting. The thing that I think about with that song is the the vocal. That's a good example of kind of what I'm really into vocally at the moment, which is a really strong single vocal like I really am trying not to double my vocals or do a lot of punches or editing it, it really try try for it to be a, a single vocal and and have that kind of I don't know human feeling to it 
my favorite records, there's usually a single lead vocal. That's not, that's definitely not true across the board. You know, you listen to something like the Ramones first record and those are doubled vocals and lots of pop music. But I think there's something really cool about trying to pull off a single vocal. So that's what that song is to me. Also, just the beats. I got really into the fundamentals of like what moves people. It's like obviously melody and structure, but the beat to me as a drummer, I think is so important. And if, if you can kind of sneak in a really groovy beat or maybe like a subversively groovy beat into like a poppy song, that's a pretty cool kind of move. And that was kind of the goal with my room, you know? Yeah, my room is a great example of that. And it is, it's really a highly percussive record. I mean, you have a lot of like tempo changes, time changes where it's technical, but I love what you said about the vocal. I hadn't thought about that as a distinguishing factor, obviously skilled singer, but a lot of times people might think that, you know, are you as an instrumentalist first and foremost, how do you, how do you work on your voice or take care of your voice? Hopefully COVID didn't impact that in this uh, last season of your life. You know, I, I was lucky when I was young that I, I was kind of like a screamer, like a belter or whatever you know I could like really go on tour and I would never lose my voice and then I got a little older and I started losing my voice all the time and it's an interesting thing when you have to like re-learn how to use an instrument that is like you know a part of you like your voice so now I just know when to push it and when to not push it and um trying not to lean on you know oh Sorry, those those are the dogs. <laughs> oh, mine will make a noise any moment now. I was like banking on it. She's sitting here quietly, but that's normally short-lived right when I get on an interview, like from home yeah. every time. <laughs> well, everybody out there, that's Fanny. And she's a, a little upset that someone's moving around outside just like any dog should be, I guess. You know, geez. <laughs> but I try to push myself, I guess is what I'm saying, to uh, do things that are a little outside of my comfort zone and um i feel like if i just kept singing the same stuff every record i would feel like there's an opportunity missed so mm. my room for example is a is a vocal style that i don't know if i've done that much and so i was psyched to to get in there and kind of have a bit more of like a lower um single vocal i feel like i grew up as a bit more of a tenor kind of a voice so we grow we evolve i mean can you describe when you are in your own studio, like, is it tempting to just tinker forever? Do you lay down a lot of what you're tinkering with because you might use it? Or what's your creative process like typically when you're working at home and maybe not, you know, under the wire, like somebody having to book studio space? Does that change the way you create songs nowadays? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that's the whole trip. That's why I wanted to build a home studio, because once you get kind of a home recording setup going and you kind of figure out the whole demo thing it opens everything up like fully I mean most people I know have a little demo situation go going on at their house but to me it just continued to evolve into mo a more elaborate thing and then eventually I had my own my first studio at my old house which was like a one car garage very small space but really really cool we did some records there once you start doing that, it just becomes a part of the process. I mean, anyone that knows me and knows how I work intimately knows that I, I'm a demo freak. Uh, every song I do, there's at least 
one, if not three demos before I do the actual version, which is a little much, but <laughs> I'd rather work out the kinks and experiment on things in demos than feel like a song was unfinished and not use a recording at a studio or something. And I've done that before. I've done that a lot, actually, where I went to a studio and like tried to record 10 songs and seven of them I didn't use. Mm. So, and yeah, it really does change the process, yeah. I mean, do you, I, I can describe your music for me as a listener. A lot of times it is hypnotic, right? I can be lost in it, whether it's um, the repetition, right? And a, a lick or, or the way the production takes you into a different direction. Do you get lost? Do you like let, permit yourself to get lost and just fool around with it for a long time and then see what you want to translate or maybe tighten? Is that part of that demo process for you is exploring far and wide and then reining it in? I, you know, I think that the the kind of the thing that I get lost in or, or rather instead of it getting lost is more like the mixing of a record, the recording of a record is another instrument to me. That moment where you're mixing and you're flying up an echo, you're panning it, you're doing an, an effect, you're, you know, you're turning up a guitar solo, you're doing all these things on the faders, that's another instrument, that's another performance. So like, that's the cool thing about an analog situation. And you can do that digitally too, but most people do this type of mixing analog on a board, you know, a mixing board. And so for me, that's kind of my version of like the intuitive brain getting lost in, in that moment. I don't tend to usually get lost when it's like, finding a sound or arranging a part or something like that. I feel like I have an idea and I just, I want to achieve that idea. I don't even go into the studio usually unless I have like some sort of idea I want to try to do. But the sonic and the aesthetic and the mixing part is more of like the, the final phase that really is just as important as writing a song, you know, is how you present it. So I, I do get lost in that mm -hmm. moment. And I think it's a cool one to get lost in. Yeah, agreed. Um, well, you mentioned Fanny. I had already been drawn to the song My Best Friend. And then just yesterday at the time of this recording, you released the video and I was like, well, that's on lock. Uh, definitely want to hear about your your discussion about your dogs and maybe how companionship of pets or just that being part of your household correlates at all with your creativity, your sense of home and settledness. Well, I have two dogs, you know, Fanny and Herman, otherwise known as Mr. Herman. They're part of my family. They're my best friends. They are a part of me. And um, I just feel like dogs are such an amazing thing to have in your life. I, I had some pets when I was a kid, but I didn't really have like my dog until I was an adult, you know, and and that was Fanny. And then Herman came to live with us during COVID. He's hilarious and he's the best. They're both the best, but 
it's just it just makes life better you know and so I'd written a song for Fanny so we were like let's uh, write a song for Herman and so Danae and I you know had a riff that was bouncy and felt like Herman <laughs> you know walk, running around and I was like oh this is this sounds like Herman running around I just feel like, you know, it's nice to put out some some positive stuff. Uh, you know, I, I tend to write very introspective songs and some of them are mysterious and abstract. And, you know, I like to be subversive and sometimes, you know, at least aesthetically harsh with sounds and things like that. So it's nice to put out a positive tune about these amazing creatures that we have in our lives. Here, here. And I love right. that you could decree it Herman's song. It's like, shall they ever know? At least like it's even, the score is even now. You're like, I love you both. <laughs> <laughs> I know for this, for Three Bells, this is not the first time you've worked with Danae on a Ty Siegel record, but also you, you have a sort of side group, right? The CIA. But what about this batch of songs? She's featured pretty prominently on several of them. And then also there's a song named after her. So can you talk about that experience working with Danae for this release particularly? Yeah, you know, Danae and I, when we collaborate lyrically, I feel like that's a very specific lyrical voice we kind of come up with, where she has a very specific lyrical style, and I have a very specific lyrical style. I feel like mine is more abstract and kind of a bit more surreal sometimes. And, and, and her, she's very direct with her lyrics, which I love. And um, I have a harder time being direct for some reason. I like I like living in the kind of abstract lyrical world. So together, though, we kind of find this really cool midpoint when we write lyrics together. And um, I just like that a lot. And I felt like this record had a lot of space for that, that kind of lyrical voice. You know, there were like definitely a handful of songs I just whilst writing them i was like this is going to be a song that i'm going to bring to danae to either fully write the lyrics or we're going to combine our lyrical powers and yeah we, it's just like a hive mind thing you know we we've been together for so long and we've worked together on so many different things that it's just you know it's a very easy and amazing working partnership there you know can you think of one of the songs that she's on that's a good example of that, of like you're blending lyrically? What what comes to mind first when you think about that, your two styles? Watcher's cool. It, it was a, a far weirder song. I had like a rough draft and um, she kind of made it more of a direct thing. Void as well. It was a, a far more almost nonsensical tune and it's almost like we came up with the thesis together. Eggman is her song. 
uh, she she wrote all the lyrics and I just had the idea. So it's cool to come to her with an idea, be like, yeah, I want to make this tune. She's like, cool. She comes back with these awesome lyrics. It's like, great, that rules. I would have never come up with that. So <laughs> I love that. I also, I love the song Move. It's so lit. And I think her voice really lays over the instrumentation in a compelling way. Like it reminded me of Sonic Youth, which I wouldn't always think of, you know, listening to any records. Is she able to tour with you at all to back you up on some of these? Um, no, not this round. Um, she's been able to in the past, but this round, um, not so much. She might be able to pop by a show or two, so it's not completely out of the realm of possibility. But okay, um, cough, cough, Nashville. <laughs> <laughs> Come <Maybe>. east today. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll take the tease here a couple months in advance. Yeah, your Nashville shows at the Brooklyn Bowl. It's a great room for music. April twenty fourth. I wonder, because I know your tastes personally, like the records that inspire you, I've seen you on record talk about music that you love and your influencers are far and wide. I wonder as an appreciator of like a live music experience, because you really deliver when you're on stage. Do you go see a lot of live music when you can, like when you're not on tour? And, and if so, like, what are you drawn to out live? To live in L.A. is like living in Nashville or, you know, New York or Chicago or any of these, you know, great music places where you know everybody comes through so there's always an opportunity to go see something cool i really look forward to seeing live music where people are just in it they just feel it it's part of them and you can really tell and that's really we could talk about this for like 10 days about what <laughs> what go. makes a good live band you know like so many different things i do try to go see music as much as i can but I live a little out of town. I live like 45 minutes outside of town. So I used to, when I lived like down the street from everything, I would be at a couple shows a week for sure. And I probably go to a show a couple times a month, usually to see some friends or I just want to see everything, you know, I'm not really like specific about it at this point. Same. I'm looking at the dog though. And it's like, that's the thing too, between distance from town and like, but I could just be here with Fanny and Herman. <laughs> instead of going to your show. I love going to shows, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm down. Speaking of your shows, the last time I saw you here in Nashville is when you did something really cool solo. And it was you up there with just like lots of pedals and loops and stuff. Oh, but I've yeah. also seen you with your freedom <laughs> band. Like, can you speak to the mental preparation? Maybe it folds together with the rehearsal for something like that as different than thrashing around with a band. I mean, everything's different at all of the iterations of the of live things are all kind of different and that's what makes it fun and cool so that specific time you're referencing was really weird and uh strange and cool <laughs> but very experimental and uh just trying something out because i was like i gotta go play i'm losing it i can let's just see what what we can figure out in the next like month and so we booked that tour like a month out and that was a pretty experimental situation but usually i play solo acoustic and that that's a whole different vibe too you know with the band it's a kind of a 
you lean on everybody and you, you're playing with each other. You're reacting to everybody else. And, and it's a musical conversation. And, and my band's very much of that, you know, mind, that hive mind, that conversing of reactionary musical conversation. And I think that's kind of what we all really love about playing together you know it's not like a formulaic you have to play the song the same every night or you don't even have to play the song how it's recorded i fully am of the mindset that you know you record a song one way and then you give it new life when you play it so whether that's solo acoustic where you know i different tempo different chords different arrangement that's a a total canon will be a different arrangement constantly which is what i think is really cool about the solo acoustic thing and similarly but different the uh band thing is the same but just with a, a group of people i i'm definitely not the kind of band leader that's like you have to play it this way this is your part it's like there are these things that need to happen in a song besides that pretty open-ended you know you're, you're not like some modern day zappa on tour no i i love the openness i wouldn't call it jamming because that has kind of you know a different connotation to it even though there's a freeness and openness to what we try to do musically yeah well i'm excited to see you this round coming up i guess the last question i'll ask you because it is open for my you know hand picking if there's a song that you haven't really gotten to discuss much or maybe you have, but you would love to speak more on on this record and have people know about it. One cool, different kind of tune, I think, maybe on the record. There hasn't been really a tune like this, save for And Good Night on Freedom's Goblin, which is very much, you know, a song, sl- Sleeper, and then how the band plays it live. You know, I thought that version of Sleeper was cool enough to re-record as a jam. An, an extended piece so the song Danae is similar where I just had a lick and a, a vocal part and you know asked Emmett and Ben to play live with me they everybody just kind of improved their parts you know I'm on drums on that song Emmett's on bass and Ben's on keys And it's pretty much an improv song. I think that one turned out really cool. And I think it's a unique thing for my records. It is funny for me to just play drums on a song on <laughs> one of my records. But I, I, I think it's cool. So, Well, I and do too. And I didn't know that was you on drums. And that's what I wrote down for Janae was how percussive it is and how much I love that. Like I was really paying attention to that track. Cool. Thank you. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, drums are my first instrument on this record I play all the drums except for one song there's a state of mind that kind of I can only get to on the drums which is kind of what I was talking about with the mixing kind of flowing non-thinking I don't know creative mind like with drums it's all intuitive and like feeling and intention is there and thought is there but like it's far more of like a internal non-vocal language or something it's odd to describe so i feel like that's kind of the only instrument i can exist in that way with that song it was fun to do that i can't do that on the guitar but yeah and then the it's you know the 
Dene mantra, which is pretty much to write a song about Dene with any other words in it, but her name wouldn't be enough. Just her name is, is you know, the perfect lyric because any word wouldn't do her justice enough. It wouldn't be enough to describe her, you know, so. Okay, mic drop, Ty. That's real sweet. Make sure to air that part. <laughs> I'm very stoked to see you again. Doing this yeah. first so we can uh, highlight the record when it's new and out in the world. Congratulations on another one. Right on. Best wishes for rehearsals and then getting back out there. Be safe out there. Well, thank you very much. And thanks for the nice questions and the, the great conversation. Appreciate oh, it. Thank you. You're so welcome. Thank you for your time, Ty. We'll uh, see you soon this spring. Take good care, Till. Right on. Thank you. Take it okay. easy. All right, later. Bye. That was my conversation with Ty Siegel, whose record, his 15th, Three Bells, is out January 26th, and it's our record of the week on WNXP.